We're going to be in Acts chapter 19, if you'll be finding that in your Bible. Good to be here today, good to be in the Lord's house. The Lord has provided a beautiful day for us, and uh, we ought to rejoice in His goodness. Good to have guests with us today, and we welcome you. If you're uh, from the community or are just passing through, thank you for worshiping with us today. We'd invite you, if you are a guest, to stop by the Welcome Center out in the foyer as you leave today. We've got a gift for you, and also we'd like to just have a record of your being with us today, but we're always honored when people choose to come and worship with us. And uh, just a little update on, on our plans, our journey, my wife and I, some of you uh, may not know this, but we're in the process of a transition in our in our church, and uh, I'm transitioning out as the senior pastor. The church wanted a pastor that could sing, <laughs> so they certainly found one in Pastor Weiss, but um, seriously, just a reminder, because I get asked about this frequently, both by people in around the church, but also in the community. Our plans are to stay in the area. Our plans are to stay in the church. We intend to continue to serve in the church, just not in the same capacity that we've been serving or I've been serving in. And so we're, we're looking forward to that transition. We're not dreading it. We're not anxious about it. I'm not anxious about it. I believe it's God's plan, and I believe His grace is sufficient for us in every situation. And so that's kind of our testimony, and we're trusting the Lord is just going to continue to work as He has, and we're excited about the future of our church. It is our church. You know, the Lord uh, uh, added us to this body many years ago, and we have every reason to believe He wants to continue to serve in that capacity. So just to update you on that, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19 today, and we're going to begin reading in the 8th verse and what we're going to be reading about is really kind of a chronicle of how God was working in a church. The church was in Ephesus. Ephesus was a large city in Asia Minor and a key city in that region of the world. And God is doing some amazing things there. And we're going to read that and talk about it together. So if you're able to stand, would you stand with us, please, for the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 8. And he, and that pronoun he, of course, referring to Paul, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. Now, I'm just going to pause here for a moment, and this is not what the message will be about today. But there's a progression there, or degression really in verse 9. When people don't believe, they often become hardened. When divers were hardened and believed not, and then there's another step, then they became critical but spake evil of that way before the multitude. When that was taking place, he, Paul, departed from them and separate, separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years. 
so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now we'll come back to that, but it's a pretty amazing testimony, isn't it? All they in Asia had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Verse 11, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So we see this powerful demonstration of people being delivered from uh, demonic oppression. Verse 13, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. I mean, they saw Paul calling out the name of Jesus and people being delivered of devils, and they said, we're going we're to add that to our repertoire. We're going we're to call out the name of Jesus over these evil spirits. So they said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sepha, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered, that gets interesting, answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? <laughs> By the way, the devil knows who Jesus is. And he probably knows who we are, but they didn't recognize this, these people. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I'm sure these exorcists did not put that on their resume. Verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. Everybody knew about this. By the way, they, some people estimate Ephesus may have had a population of 300,000 people. All they, Jews and Greeks in Ephesus, were hearing the news. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and shewed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them just to let you know these were really Baptists. They counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. They're counting the offering. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And that verse 20 is really kind of the, the theme of our message today. And that has to do with the growth of God's word. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Let's pray again. Father, thank you for your word today. God, we read it with um, reverence. We read it, Lord, with faith. We read it with desire. Lord, that we could learn and grow. That, God, we could see uh, what you're able to do, what you did in Ephesus, what you did in Paul, this, this great, prideful, rebellious, lost man. And, Father, be reminded of what you can do in people's lives. I pray you'd help me today, God, as I preach. Give me what I need and help us all to be attentive and, 
as we heard this morning in the Bible study hour, not just hearing the word of God, but doing it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The, one of the things that stands out to me in this passage as we read throughout, not just here at the end, verse 20, but always throughout the passage, and that's the influence of the Word of God. God's Word is powerful. God word can, God's Word can change lives. The, the, if you look in verse 20, and just, just, just kind of break that down as we get into the message today, so mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. So the Word of God was growing. Now what does that mean, it was growing? It doesn't mean that the Bible was growing as far as the words in it or the growing as far as the chapters are in it. It doesn't even mean that the church was necessarily growing in numbers, though that was occurring. But it means the impact or the influence of God's Word was increasing. It was growing. More people were being touched by the Word of God. Not only was it growing, but look again in verse 20. It says, so mightily grew the Word of God. It was powerful. It was strong. The Word of God was, was having an impact. And, verse 20 says, so mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. The word prevail means that it's overcoming. It has force and strength to overcome. Now, I want to look at a couple of other passages today because this is really worth noting and recognizing, and that is the, the powerful influence, the growing influence of the Word of God. So mark your place, if you would, here in Acts 19. And let's go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 is the testimony of a time in the church at Jerusalem when there was some uh, murmuring taking place and people's needs were not being met and there was talk about it. And, and so the Lord instructed the apostles and they follow that instruction. They selected some men and put them in positions of, uh, of ministry, deacons. And notice what it says in verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So again, we see that the influence of God's word was continuing to grow. The word of God Increase The power and impact of his word was increasing. One other place, if you would please, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, there's a time of persecution taking place against the church in Jerusalem. Herod had James, one of the uh, apostles, killed, had him beheaded. And it pleased the people so much, this is how much there was a resentment among some, among the religious crowd that were against the church. So James was killed, and then they took Peter and threw Peter in prison. And as we know, if you're familiar with the story, the Lord sent an angel and miraculously delivered Peter from prison. But near the end of Acts chapter 12, we see that God dealt with Herod, the king. It says in verse... 23 of Acts chapter 12, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, killed him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But look in verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. So you see this, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 19, that the word of God is growing, not just in Jerusalem, also in Asia, in Ephesus, the particular city. And these are, these are powerful testimonies of the Word of God. You know, as I was listening to Pastor Weiss this morning, and 
I didn't respond, but he was asking, what are some of the things that we should try to pass on or transfer to new believers? And one of them is a love for the Word of God. This past Wednesday evening, we had a tremendous message from the Bible about the wonderful Word of God from Psalm 119. God's Word is wonderful. God's Word is powerful. This is unlike any other book you'll ever see. And I know some people doubt that, but that's because they haven't really spent time in it. They don't, maybe they don't know the author. Maybe they, they don't have the Lord instructing their lives. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is like, is like food for our soul. Matter of fact, it's the Word of God that converts us. Now, I know we're saved by faith. We save, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ when we're born again. But Peter said we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's the, it's the Word of God that changes a person's life. It converts us. It changes. How could this be possible? How could it be possible that a person who doesn't know God, a person who's not saved, a person who has no personal relationship to God, can be reading and believing what God says, what God says about our sin, what God says about Jesus Christ, what God says about our responsibility to the truth, and put their faith in what this book says about Jesus, and their life can be changed forever. It's the Word of God. And yet some people who have a Bible don't read their Bible. Some people even which carry a Bible don't really spend time in their Bible. So, so we see, going back to Acts chapter 19, the powerful influence of the Word of God. Just a bit of history about the church at Ephesus. There are a lot of churches in the New Testament we know very little about, but we know a little more about this church. We know how it was founded in Acts chapter 19. We have the record of Paul staying there for more than two and a half years. They had a great start. If you took a snapshot of that church at Ephesus and all the things were happening, people being saved, demons coming out of people, people being miraculously healed, you would think, man, this is a church that's set. But we know some other things about the church at Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 3, we find that Jesus called this church out. Matter of fact, he said to this church, I have somewhat against thee. That's what he said to this very church, Ephesus. I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Then he said this, remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. He said, if you, and then he said, if you don't, I'm going to remove... I'm going to remove the candlestick. That means you're no longer even going to be a true scriptural church. So we know a lot about this church. We know the church in its heyday when everything seemed to be going well. And we know the church when it was in some form of decline and being warned. They were still a church, but Jesus said, you've got some adjustments to make. And if you don't make these adjustments, then I'm not going to continue to use you the way I have used you. By the way, if you were to go to this place today, this very place in now, a place called Turkey, you'll find that there's no church there at all. So, so in studying about this church, we just, we just wonder why, what happened to this church? And uh, the period we're looking at in Acts chapter 19 is really sort of the a beginning of the church and how it was growing and how God was using it. And look at that passage again in verse 10, Acts chapter 19 and 10. And this continued by the space of two years so that all they which heard, which dwelt in Asia, excuse me, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both 
Jews and Greeks. Now, how big a region is that? It'd be one thing if everybody in Franklin County heard the gospel, wouldn't it? Or everyone even in the county surrounding us. But Asia at that time, Asia Minor, was an area similar in square miles to the state of Texas. Actually, probably larger than that. And everyone, according to this, everyone heard the gospel. Imagine that, how God was using this church, how mightily he was using them. Can I say today, that will be our desire, that God would work in our day and lives and our families and our community. We want, people don't just need more religion. They need the gospel. They need to be saved. I was telling the pastor this morning, uh, we were talking about yesterday and my wife and I spent some time out yesterday door to door just going, sharing the gospel and, and, um, and I told him this. I said, not one person that we talked to claimed to go to church anywhere. Isn't that something? Not one person. I know there are a lot of people who do go to church, but we didn't see one of them yesterday. And the point being, you know, we need for God to work in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community. We need the Word of God to be increasing. And that's what this is talking about in Acts chapter 19 and verse 20. I don't know about you, but I don't know if there's a day goes by that I'm not reminded of how much we need to see God work in people's lives, in our loved ones, in our communities. So I want to go back to Acts chapter 19, and I want to just target a couple of things that that I think are found in this text that are related to seeing God's work grow. They grew mightily. First of all, and I've already alluded to that, that's the, the preaching of the Word of God was, was preeminent. It was prominent. It was a part of their lifestyle. We heard about this morning in Sunday school. The Word of God was being proclaimed. And if you think back to Acts chapter 8, when, again, there was a time of persecution in Acts chapter 8 and the Bible says everyone left Jerusalem except for the apostles so keep in mind we're talking about not the apostles everyone except the apostles left Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8 and and Philip went down into Samaria but it says this they went everywhere these that left went everywhere preaching the gospel they went everywhere proclaiming the gospel. Wherever they went, that's, and by the way, the word preach there is the word that has to do with evangelizing, giving the gospel out. It's not like pulpit preaching. It's not the, the Greek word caruso, which is like a town crier. This is just going out and telling the good news. Everyone who left Jerusalem because of persecution went around telling everyone else about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I really believe that what happened in Ephesus was so miraculous that only God would get the credit for it. But while that was happening, there was something else going on, and that is God's people were giving out the gospel everywhere they went. In Acts chapter 19, again in verse 10, we just keep referring back to that, but that's, that's an amazing account when you think about it, that they took this gospel everywhere. And, and you know, what... What is it that makes this so powerful? Now, what may, one of the things that makes it so powerful is, that I refer back to what Jesus said in, in, the, in every one of the Gospels about the parable of the sower. The sower went forth to sow a seed, 
And obviously some of it fell by the wayside and some fell on rocky soil and some fell among thorns, but some fell among good ground. But in explaining to his followers what that represented, Jesus said, the seed is what? The word of God. Sowing the seed of the word of God. God's word is like a seed. Now that's not hyperbole. That's not just saying something that's not meant to be taken literally. Jesus said that's what it is like. It's like planting a seed. The seed is the word of God. Listen, if you're going to see a crop, I know some people here planted gardens. I heard uh, some talking yesterday about how there's They're wondering what's going on beneath the surface of their soil because nothing's coming up. And so if you're going to have a crop, you've got to plant a seed. The more seed you sow, the more apt we are to have a crop. If you're going to produce fruit, the seed has to be sown. Now that's true in evangelism. And I think one of the reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing in our country is we're we're very much gospel-deprived as a nation. We need, people need the gospel. What's wrong with America can't be fixed by a political party, no matter who the president is. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about those things, but what people need more than anything is the gospel. We ought to be planting the seed, and we see that in Acts. They were going everywhere, planting the seed. That means telling people about the Lord. Now, now you know, when we go out and as a church and we go door to door and people go out and organize visitation that's much of what we're doing is just planting the seed giving people a gospel track giving them a witness telling them what Christ has done for them and there can never be too much of that we were my wife and I were talking to a nice lady yesterday and she enjoyed the conversation a lot she had a lot to say and we listened but one of the things she spoke about was how offended she was sometimes by people getting in her face and preaching, and I'm not exactly sure what she meant by that, but we can't force conversions, but we can plant the seed. People need the gospel. People need to hear the gospel, and uh, God gives us opportunities to do that. So one of the things we ought to ask ourselves, if you're like me, and you'd like to see the Word of God grow like it was in Ephesus, one of the things we ought to ask ourselves is how how much is the seed being sown? And let's make it real personal. How much seed are you sowing this past week? How many people did you talk to about the Lord? You know, I think if we would be open and prayerful, we could see that God opens up opportunities to share the gospel with people. I was talking to uh, a doctor this week, just a routine exam. He's not my regular doctor that I I go to. uh, But he's a a doctor that's... uh, I've been the second time I've been there, and he said, now tell me again what, what kind of work you do. And I said, really, I don't work. I'm a preacher. No, I didn't say that. I said, well, actually, I'm a pastor. And he said, yeah, I remember. And he said, what's the church? And I told him. And I said, but, but really, I'm not going to be pastoring much longer because I'm in a transition, about to retire. And then he said this, have you, have you always wanted to be a preacher ever since you was a kid? And I said, actually, no, I came from a very rebellious background. I got to tell him my story and how Christ has changed my life. I'm just saying, God gives us opportunities if we'll just pay attention to what's going on around us. If we're going to see the gospel spread, 
If we're going to see the influence of the word of God spread, then we need to be planting the seed and committed to it personally. And I'm not, you know, it's not my job. It's not anybody's job to try to make people feel guilty. But sometimes we need, to, we need a, a kind of a gut check and ask ourselves, you know, we can talk in here about sharing the gospel, but people in here, for the most part, know the gospel. It's people out there that don't know the gospel. Just referring to this uh, uh, conversation I had with this medical professional, and he asked me what I was going to be doing. I said, well, I travel some and preach. And he said this, uh, do you only preach in Zion churches? <laughs> now, I'm not making fun of him, but he did just, you don't know. People don't, people don't know. People don't really know about the Bible. They don't really know about the truth. They don't even know the gospel. They don't even know that Christ died for them according to the scriptures and was buried and raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. It's one thing for a person to know and reject it or resist it. It's another thing for a person not to know. So one of the things I see, if we're, if we're looking at the book of Acts, if we're just backing away and looking at it and saying, how was it all these things were happening? Well, I know it was a great time of transition and God was working mightily, but part of it was because there was a lot of seed being sown. We need to be sowing the seed. But there's a second thing I want to notice about this particular subject in Acts chapter 19. And not only do we find the preaching of the Word of God, but we find the response to the Word of God. Notice what it says in verse uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse uh, 18. And many that believed came and confessed and shewed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So not only was the word of God being proclaimed, but people were taking it seriously. They had this desire, this passionate desire to turn to the Lord. There's a word that's repeated in verses 18 and 19. It's the word many. Verse 18, and many that believed came and confessed and shewed their deeds. Verse 19, many of them also. This wasn't just a few people. This wasn't a unique response. Many people hearing the gospel made open confession, open repentance, passionately, openly, publicly desiring to change their life. Verse 19 says, Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together. They brought them. You know, today's typical in case you're a guest, this is typical of what we do in church. We sing, we fellowship, we hear the Word of God, we preach the Word of God, we hear lessons from the Bible. Often, as I was in Sunday school this morning, I'm sitting there with an open heart, evaluating my own life. How could God use this in my life? How should it impact my life? That's what we do when we meet on Sunday morning, on Sunday night and Wednesday night. But you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to hear a message and give mental assent to it and ponder the implications of it. 
It's another thing to go to your house and take things that you know are no good for your life, bring them back. That's what they did. Said, I, don't, I want this out of my life. Sometimes we can sit and hear sermons and we agree that it's true. But the reality is very often we do nothing about it. There's no real change in our life. That was one of the differences. Not only were a lot of people hearing the truth, but the people that were hearing the truth were responding in a powerful way. They brought them. They're turning from some of the most ungodly kinds of sins, demonic activity. And, you know, these people were in a mess. Wouldn't you agree? These people were involved in Satan worship and all kinds of stuff. But one thing you've got to admire about them, they were serious about changing their life. I said it once. I want to say it again, though. If we're not careful, it can become a common practice for us to take our sins too lightly. Or say, well, it's, you know, compared to so-and-so, it's not that big a deal. Or I'm going to work on this one of these days. You know, it might do us good just to get sick of our sin. Whatever they may be. And it says in this passage in verse 19 that they brought all these books together and burned them before all men. Now, that, there's a lot implied in that. They burned them means they don't intend to go back to that anymore. I remember when I was many, many years ago hearing about a teenager that really got under conviction about the music they were listening to. And so what they did was they took it and put it under their mattress. There's a difference in putting it under your mattress and putting it on fire. <laughs> they burned them because they had no intention of going back to it. They wanted it out of their life. Notice it says in verse 19, many of them also which use curious arts, brought them their books together and burned them. Notice this next for the three words, before all men. They, they, they wanted it to be known that they're having a change in a direction in their life. This is not what, this is, we've lived like this, but we don't want to continue to live like this. Now, I don't know how much, I've studied this more than once. I don't know how much 50,000 pieces of silver would be worth today, but I estimate that it'd be worth a gob <laughs> or a bunch, wouldn't you? You know, we can learn something from this for our own lives. How responsive are we to the Word of God? If you heard a message today that, that, that spoke clearly from the Bible in a convincing way about the way you ought to love your wife or the way that you ought to be a good steward of your resources, the way you ought to share the gospel with other people, or the way that you shouldn't be disrespectful to your parents. If you heard a convincing message from the Word of God about something that you know in your life needs to change, how would you respond? Would you be able to say, by the grace of God, I'm turning away from this and I'm never going back to it? Or would you say, well, you know, I'm going to think about that a while longer. There are a lot of people who've been thinking about something a while longer that haven't really made any decisive 
steps in the right direction. We can learn something from these people. Whenever I study this passage, I'm reminded of the early days of my wife and I's life in Christ after we came to the Lord and we were going to church and, and I had been living in um, just a really dark place for a number of years. And I had several gods in my life and I, I don't, I mean that in reality, sports had been a god for me. I, I lived for sports at one time in my life. This particular time, the thing that meant most to me in my life, two things really, one was my friends and the other was my music. I was really serious about music that was not godly music. So serious about it that I actually flew to St. Louis one time to go to a gospel concert. People that were very much into uh, influencing the direction of music in this country. I was, you know, I, I was way into it way too deep. And it, it was one of the most difficult things my wife had to endure with me was that music. But we got, we got right with the Lord. But after we got right with the Lord, all of a sudden that music didn't disappear from our house. It was still in our house. So I was there one night, I'll never forget this, in our house. We lived in a little frame house and had a fireplace in it. And my wife was gone somewhere, just me alone there. I'd never heard a sermon about music. But God began to deal with my heart that if I was really going to go forward with him, I was going to have to get that music out of my life. I started a fire in that fireplace. I found out that LPs don't burn too good. <laughs> but I burned a lot of stuff. And then as I was burning that fire, and me alone in the house, I thought about books I had, things I had that were not fit to have. And I'm not saying I'm a good Christian, but I'm just saying that was an important step for me in a stage of my spiritual growth. And I think one of the things that holds people back is they have good intentions, but they keep holding on to things that are not good for them. And it may be relationships. I'm not saying you should burn your friends. But it may be habits. It may be attitudes. Whatever it is. But these people were willing to get out of their life. I was telling, I was, Pastor Weiss asked me this earlier this week, what I was going to be preaching on this morning and I told him this passage and I was telling him that once many many years ago over in that other building on a Sunday morning I preached from this same passage and just preached about how we need to keep our keep get the things out of our life that don't belong there and I challenged the church that morning I said I want to challenge you if you know of things in your life that you'd be better off without bring it tonight and we're going to have a fire and we're going to burn it. And uh, I came to church that Sunday evening and I'll, I'll never forget this. There were, there were shopping bags, paper bags across the front of the auditorium. And people had brought music and literature, garments of clothing. One person brought a collection of Elvis music. And I snuck that out. And, and <laughs> you know, I don't know how that impacted their lives individually, but 
Either way you look at it, that was a big step for some. It was a good step. I, I did this another time in another church, actually, and I, I gave out a little piece of paper. I may have done that in our church one time, too. I gave out a little piece of paper, and I said, for something, yeah, it was here because we took the stuff out to our house and had a burning at our house out there. I said, if, if there's something that God puts on your, your mind that you know you need to get out of your life, just write it down on a piece of paper, and we'll, we'll bring that. And I'm telling you, it's amazing what people have in their life. The truth is, we wonder sometimes, why isn't the Word of God being more powerful? Why isn't the Word of God growing? And it's not always because of what's going on out there. Sometimes it's because of what's going on in here. Those things aren't always tangible. It's not always a book or a, some kind of an addiction. And although I've seen people bring packs of cigarettes and put them on the, on the altar because they're getting rid of them. You know what? You people say, well, they were doing that at the show. Maybe, maybe so, but I don't think so. These people were publicly bringing the things in their life that they knew were not consistent with the direction that God wanted them to go. And I just, you know, we, we can't be serious about revival and not be serious about our own sin. I want to read this passage, you know it, but I'm not going to take the time to turn to it today in 1 Thessalonians, which describes the work of God in another great church, in another great city, Thessalonica, in Macedonia. This is what Paul wrote about them. Think about this. Just think seriously about these words. When you receive the word of God, which is heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. It wasn't like, oh, that's just his opinion. You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And this is it. Here's the end of that verse which effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, the more we believe what God says and do what God says, the more His work is going to be going on in our life. I've said this so many times, but I want to say it again. It's not hearing sermons that changes our life. You can sit and listen to sermons three times a week and still stay where you are spiritually. It's when we obey the Word of God when we mix faith with the Word of God. So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. So let's just wrap this up by thinking again about the increase of the Word of God. To me, these things are present. Number one, the preaching of the Word of God. Everywhere, God's Word is being proclaimed. By the way, people who shared the gospel, if you shared the gospel with people this week, gave them a gospel track, a word of testimony, gave them a bit of your story. You planted a seed. And, don't, and if they didn't respond positively at that time, don't, don't think that that was a waste uh, in your effort or your faith. No, it's a seed planted. And that seed can begin to work in their life. So the preaching of the word of God is critical. But we also see the heartfelt response to the word of God. We've got to take God's word seriously. You know, we sometimes refer to this place at the front as an altar, and we call it that because it has a history, really, a place where people just come and kneel and pray. And I know some people can't. They're physically, they, 
they can't, we had a guy one time who knelt to the altar and couldn't get up at all. I thought he was just praying, praying through, but his knees locked up on him. So sometimes people can't, can't do that. But it's a good thing sometimes just to go and kneel before God and talk to God. We've got to take the preaching seriously. A heartfelt response to the Word of God. And you see, that, so you have the preaching of the Word of God, then you have the response to the Word of God, and then you have God's response. You have God's response, and that is the Word of God was growing. I think when we, personally, individual, when we respond to the Word of God, it leads God to work in our lives in even a greater way. Did, you ever, did it ever cross your mind, did you ever seriously think about this? That there, it could be possible that there are things in our life, sinful attitudes, things that we're holding on to in our life that may be preventing God from working. You say, well, God can do anything. I know that. But do you remember when Jesus said he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief? He was, he didn't, Jesus, who could do anything, didn't do a lot there because they didn't believe him. Are you believing God? Are you trusting God in your own life? I love this verse 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. We need to see God working mightily in this day and age. It's a dark day. Our hearts have been crushed this week about what happened in that school in Texas. We live in a dark place. People live in a dark world. And there's several things that we can do. Number one, we can keep giving people the word of God. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to up our game, in essence, to give people the word of God. Not only can we give people the word of God, but number two, we need to be responsing responsively obeying the word of God taking what God says seriously ask yourself right now ask yourself if you are a Christian if you believe that you're saved ask yourself typically how do I respond to the word of God and if your honest answer is I hear it and I go out the door and I do nothing with it, then you're putting a finger on a big part of the problem. We ought to do what God says. We want to see him working. You know, this is, this is a weekend that we remember. And we ought to remember people who've given their life the supreme sacrifice for our country. We honor them. It's noble. It's noble to give your life for a worthy cause. But if we would honor people who give their life for our country, why wouldn't we honor people who give their life for the Lord? And if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I, I appreciate people who gave everything that we can be free, and I'm right, I'm right there with you. 
But ask yourself, what am I giving to the Lord? How much of my life does the Lord have? How much is He controlling me? Directing me, influencing me? How much is His Word controlling and influencing me? How about giving your life to getting the Gospel out to people? Now, if you're here today and you're not saved, if you've never been born again, if you, if you don't know, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about being a Baptist. I'm talking about coming with sincere faith, acknowledging your own sin, and realizing that no religion, this religion or any religion, no religion can save you, but Jesus died to save you. Have you ever personally put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You say, well, there's got to be more to it than that. Jesus paid it all. We don't have to do anything in order to be saved except put our faith in Him. If you've not done that, you, don't, you can't be sure you're going to heaven. It's not about good works. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's about putting your faith in Christ. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And we ought to tell it out there, but we tell it in here. Do you know Him? If not today, you need Him. You need Him. And he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you, cleanse you, give you new life. You ought to, you ought to reach out to him today. Ask him to. We're here to help you with that.